Hello, my ducks. Hello, my chucks. And hello, pets, lambs, and honeys, uh, and everybody else. Goodness. See how many <laughs> see how many parts of the UK we can accept. You one, really one are covering covering every base, pandering to every part of the geography. You are, Jill. Hello, everyone. I do like a panda. <laughs> Very good. So how are how you are today? You? <laughs> I'm not too bad. You know, not too bad. It's been um, I've had a good day at work, and um. Um, I'm ready to go. Um, energy levels are eh, just about up there, but I'm sure you'll rile me up somewhere, Joe. Well, it'd be rude of me not to. <laughs> but yeah, no good. How about you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I've had a, I've had one of those days at work where, oh, I'm just drowning under work. So clearly, the thing to do is um, avoid doing it and go shopping. I think that's a good strategy that I quite enjoy, to be honest. I I I, I think that's a that's a very good tactic. Yeah. 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 I do. I do. I do enjoy a bit of shopping. I'm not. I'm never quite sure what's. I mean, I enjoy shopping for anything. I don't know whether it's the um, the thrill of looking, spending, or as I used to do. I used to have a very strange, um, peculiar habit, which is I used to look to go shopping and then take it all home, try it all on, then take it all back again. And then in those days, you used to get the money back in your hand. And it was like, it was like going shopping and getting paid for getting shopping. <laughs> so you like proper shopping, proper analogue, old-fashioned, hitting I, the streets. I love anything. I love houses, cars, electronics, Amazon, Etsy, John Lewis in the shops, any shop, any mall. I like going for a wonder. I like going for a browse. There's something quite satisfying in being so shallow that you find so much enjoyment in shopping yeah so that's certainly true and uh, um, and certainly when you transition it becomes expensive shopping does well yes and we've talked before about this sort of you know the, the joy joy shopping for clothes i mean let's not even talk about shoes but absolutely but i mean at the moment we're looking at moving offices so shopping for offices i mean that's ah wow you know <laughs> But anyway, enough of this tomfoolery. I it mean, is. Because, because we had a subject to talk about and you're deliberately going off, off the script just for a laugh. So we're um, going to talk about sport today. We are. As, as two fine specimens of sporting endeavour that we are. Um, <laughs> or, or not. It's the, the wonder of a podcast is you can't, you can't see. Um, but no, interest, I think it's an interesting subject, I think, for trans people. I think it becomes... Um, it becomes almost a gateway into into the trans debate, I think, in some respects. Well, and well, not, start... a, not a subject without controversy, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, well, should we start a little bit around the sort of the biggest the, the biggest issue, which is that um, this idea that trans women, uh, because of course it affects trans mask people as well trans men as well yes yeah absolutely um but there's this idea that for trans women that they have an unfair advantage in women's sports so i just wondered if we should start there yeah i mean i think that's that's where all the the, the noise is at the moment uh and you know you see a lot of headlines of at the moment it seems like some poor sporting body is deciding i think recently to ban trans women um from from, from sport effectively um blanket bans which i think is just anyway we'll go on to that but not the right approach so you do get a lot of uh, newspaper headlines around around that and a lot of silly sort of scaremongering sort of ill-informed stories as well around it i think um you know um yeah because it's, it's an interesting 
it's an interesting subject. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know that I've got easy answers because it is, it, it, it is, it is nuanced, I think. So the idea that trans women have an advantage in sport is sort of, in a thing, I guess, simplifying things. I mean, some trans women might have an advantage, I guess, would be the answer. Um, you know, a, a trans, I guess, a trans woman that hasn't been on HRT and uh, had, for instance, had testosterone levels lowered and stuff may well have an advantage. Um, uh, but my understanding is prior to the, the recent sort of hysteria, that was being accounted for, right? That, you know, that, that sports would take account of that. So, you know, th th there would be tests for testosterone levels. So somebody that on HRT for, you know, three or four years, that advantage is no longer there. Yes. I mean, I, I you know, I just know from the moment I uh, um, went on to HRT, my, I lost strength, you know, that was, that was fine. I was never that strong, but uh, that's inevitable. So uh, I think that that's where the hysteria comes from. But I think it is such a, a simplistic approach that sporting bodies are taking by just banning and, and, and basically, you know, stopping trans people taking part in sport. Mm. You know, and you're seeing that particularly in America for, for young trans people and saying that they cannot, they have to uh, compete in their sex assigned at birth. Mm. Which again is nonsense because there's a... a, a there's this photograph that's often used of a um, of a man in, in, in wrestling at, in college, um, but that's a trans man who's forced who this man this man is wrestling women. That's a trans man who's been forced to wrestle cisgendered women because of these stupid rules and has got an advantage because he's on testosterone. So the other way, it just gets it gets nonsense. So, so I mean, the, the idea behind it certainly is that if you've gone through puberty. Uh, when males go through puberty, they get different bone densities, they get different muscle mass, they get d longer limbs, they get, uh, you know, yeah. there is an advantage in a swimming pool to having bigger feet and having longer legs, longer muscles and such like and that. And therefore, if you're looking at the average spread of heights from men and the average spread of heights in the swimming pool for women, you tend to find men are bigger. So there's a sort of an advantage there. And the counter argument is when you've gone through hormone treatments, you lose that muscle mass, you don't lose the bone density, but you obviously don't change the shape of the body because the shape of the body is there. And it does seem that, you know, have you if you have gone through puberty, it does seem to me that... Um, um, a, a male who's gone through puberty does have a physical advantage, I would say, to a to a, a cis woman. I don't. I mean, I don't know enough about physiology to know for definite. But my that 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 um, that advantage dissipates through going on to HRT. Also, it's, it's, it's ironic that many of the people that want to make to ban trans women for sport also want to stop young trans people having puberty blockers, so you, you sort of yeah. can't or win. You know, taking that aside, taking that aside, um, if you look about how trans women, because for years there weren't this hysteria, and there has been no examples of trans women um, dominating women's sport. For, for ages, there's been the ability of trans women to qualify for the Olympics. Nobody has qualified. Or there was one trans woman, I think, in, in weightlifting in the last Olympics, came last, I think, very brave New Zealander. So the reality of it, um, the, reality, the reality of it doesn't play out, you know. 
I, I don't think I wouldn't sit here and say you have no criteria for trans women in with sport. I think having appropriate in terms of appropriate levels of testosterone, etc. I think I think there's some sense. I, I can see some sense in that. But um, the the way it's been managed at the moment is just banning a whole group of people and saying, well, you're not, you know, you're all. And that, that is just so simplistic because there are plenty of people, um, there are plenty of athletes that have physiological advantages due to um, unusual physiology. Mm. So um, Usain Bolt was unusual being tall and having very fast twitch fibres. So there's never been a tall sprinter able to sprint like he did um, because his physiology I think, was different. Michael Phelps, who was a swimmer, who won so many gold medals, my understanding is his body didn't process la- he didn't build up lactic acid like in the same way as other people did. Mm. So he had a physiological advantage which enabled him. So none of these things are completely as simple as, as it comes. And then of course, there are all sorts of advantages in terms of advantages if you're building in a rich Western country compared to other countries in training and all sorts. And there's, you know, there's the lack of privilege of trans people because of obviously how how transition affects them and stress and being able to function in society. So the simplistic approach of just banning people seems cruel, unnecessary, really. And it's just another way to sort of other trans people rather than finding a proper inclusive solution. So if you listen and to people you... like uh, Sharon, um, I was going to say Sharon Stone, but I think I mean Sharon Davis, don't I? The swimmer. She talks about this idea that uh, there's two issues, one which is the physiological advantage, which you, we've talked about a little bit, but also the second thing that actually there are a lot of people getting changed in a swimming pool. Uh, a lot of people are getting changed. A lot of fe- all female sports have, and then you have um, people getting changed, you know, they're, they're naked together, as it were, and then you have someone with a penis in the room. And then, and, and, and there's a level of discomfort about that. Now, this always goes back to the idea that the trans person is expected to somehow be sexually abusing people, whereas actually the vast majority of sex through the bus. That's nothing to do with the, that's nothing to do with sport, and there's never been a problem. Trans women have been using, um, you know, go swimming. I went swimming, mixed changing rooms actually, swim bus I went to, and shower and stuff. Never had a problem. These are these are fabricated scaremongering. I'd, I can't take Sharon Davies seriously on the sports matter because she's proved herself to be, as far as I'm concerned, transphobic. With other, other comments are made are just hating on trans people. So I, I'm not going to listen to somebody who's clearly coming from a position uh, 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 of transphobia. I'm not going to take that with, with any credit. And those sort of, that idea is just so old fashioned. It's the same argument about toilets. It has, yeah. holds no water. It holds no, you know, <laughs> That's how it does. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> deliberate, but it doesn't. It doesn't hold holds no water. You know, when I first transitioned, I went to New South Wales Bath, nobody objected. There's no problem. There never is. There isn't. Trans people have been using changing facilities just as they have. So this is just fabricated nonsense, scaremongering. I'm not having any of that personally. I think that's just. You show me that anything where that that's an that, that's an issue, and and anyway, you know. The, the 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 focus should be on you know the the focus of conversations about about sport and that's not about those sort of as I say I think that's just and that's coming from a place of of of, of hate to me um, where that's coming from of, mm. of of saying that you know um, I you know it was I must admit when I first went swimming 
after transition, it was um, one of those things that, you know, I thought I'd never be able to do. But I think most women feel, you know, some women, there's, uh, you know, I'm overweight and feel self-conscious in a swimming costume and going to swim in. I felt self-conscious and so did my friend who I went swimming with, you know. But um, that aside, I never felt, you know, absolutely anything other than it was a pretty normal. It was a great thing to, to tick off to be able to do that and do that as a woman with, you know, no, absolutely no problems and feel included. And, you know, and it was good because I was trying to keep myself fit post-transition. Sadly, I didn't keep any of that up. Mm. Um, so now, you know, those sort of, that's, I mean, Sharon, those arguments you talk about weren't arguments about sport. They were just the typical anti-trans yeah. sex-based so, arguments. So that's... Uh, so if we, if we go back to the, what, what's called the retained advantage, which is the what's left what's left after puberty. And, and of course, this applies for certain sports, because obviously if you're, if, you're, if you're doing motor racing, you know, this doesn't matter because you're inside of a car. But if you're doing swimming or athletics or something where the, the, the debate's most... It, there's a guy called Ross Tucker, who's a, a very famous sports scientist, who talks about the there are 13 studies that link to a retained advantage that trans, trans women have over our uh, cis women. But again, it depends on the, it depends on the sports. It does, and, uh, and, 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 the, and the trouble is that there's a lot of advan- There's a lot of work showing a retained advantage, but of course there's also research showing no retained advantage. And this is part of the problem here. There's no consistency because, of course, the the research gets politically skewed. I think that's part of the challenge here. I get that, and and if and if that's not definitive, but um, it feels like we're creating a we're, we're waiting for a problem to be created because show me evidence where any evidence where there is the, the trans women are anyway dominating women's sport. It's hard enough to access. It's hard enough when you transition to access parts of society, let alone be successful. So yes, there may be, I guess, retained advantages, yeah. but there are advantages in other aspects. You know, why is we focus on that um, that advantage, but not the advantage of, you know, of 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 wealth of other other privileges that people have you know the training facilities that you know one country one won't but as i said other physiological advantages mm-hmm. you know um you know that i mentioned a couple of athletes and you mentioned motor racing i do a shout out for charlie martin who's a um, trans uh, racing driver and she's such a good um, ambassador for trans people in sport so if you, you want to look up charlie martin uh, races in gt racing because you're actually right, different sports yeah. have different advantages. I mean, there are sports. My understanding, for instance, in ultra-long marathons, for instance, you do these ultra-marathons, 100-mile runs and stuff, there is actually no women beat men in those sports. There are physiological advantages for women. I think it's to do with physiology and, uh, and maybe to do with the fact that of physiologically about being able to carry, uh, be pregnant and things that makes women more suited to really long distance running events for instance i think it's yeah. it's about how much muscle mass you have powering your frame so the difference no. with trans women is that we have less muscle mass powering a large frame so your, your energy runs out more quickly yeah no I I, yeah i was I, yeah I, I get that but I, I, was, I was in a sense just talking about there are sports where women have yeah. oh yeah there's yeah. no dis, there's no dis, disadvantage yeah. um yeah I, I i get that there can be that but in, in light of any definitive studies, um, we should not be just doing blanket bans. So, and, if, so, and, if, and if there's appropriate um, 
rules in place, for instance, that somebody has to have been on HRT and had lower testosterone levels, so those more obvious advantages are going, and when they're just still going to say, well, even with that, you can't complete, you're not part of the gang. You and know, this is and, and this is the problem is actually how do you put a how do you put a dividing line between these things? So if you put a testosterone level in, you've got people like Custer Semenya who've had who've had children and were banned because of the testosterone levels. So it's very actually it's very hard to put a dividing line. Well, I mean the way between. she's been the way Castor Semenya's been treated has been um, really cruel. I mean, um yeah. she I understand she has intersex conditions, um uh, has intersex conditions, but she's a woman. And you know, you know, she's been treated like, uh, you know, it's so so horribly in terms of the way it's been reported, the way that these these sort of blanket rules rules come in. And as so I what, said, you know. So what's you your know, views on um, what's your views on the, uh, having separate categories for transgender athletes? I mean, well, I, I, you know, I've got a view on it, but um, I'll be interested to see what you it think. It says so. well, there's not enough. How that just doesn't work because there's not exactly. enough. There's not enough of us. Not enough. There's not enough. Um, so even worse, how about putting us into the um, the people with disabilities um, sports? No, it's not. No, but I, until you de- it's demonstrated that it's a problem, then why are we banning? Because I see no evidence that this is a particular problem. I see no evidence. You look at, you know, trans people have been allowed to take part in sport for a long time before this hysteria, and there is no examples. Because everybody talks of suddenly trans people and and you and only just appeared, right? There's been no examples of trans women being successful in the Olympics in any 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 level at all. For instance, they didn't qualify. It's enough of a a, a, a battle. So I, I just don't see where. To me. There is there is the proper thought out. Let's have a look and start to. And I accept the idea that we need more studies on this, but let's not ban everybody whilst we're having studies. Let's not demonise, ban, and other a whole community whilst we're trying to and you know decide you know whether there is that advantage is, is such that we need to put something in place. Because as I said, there are other advantages that people have that we don't legislate against. Um, but this is the one we want to pick on. And for for many of us, it feels like it's coming from that place of just wanting to to um, to other trans uh, other trans people, rather than finding a way to be inclusive. I mean, there are supportive people. Tom Daly, I think, has has criticised the swimming authorities' view to just ban trans women from swimming. And there are other there are plenty. Of, Megan Rapino, who's uh, the American um, football um, soccer, as they say in America, hero, she's amazing, has has made positive comments. So there are there are people that are supportive. If what worries me is it's a gateway, feels like it can the, the argument on sport can then become a gateway into into just wanting to treat trans people as and particularly trans women uh, as somehow, you know, other us, set us aside, apart from society. And and actually, you know, it's hard enough finding your place in society. And if sport helps you in that, if playing sport with your local team or taking part in sport allows you to fit into society post-transition, what, why would we start? Why would we be trying to stop to do to doing that? And mm-hmm. and of course, for trans men who are then on HRT, if you're going to do the same for them, that what, what, how do they take part? They can't compete with those higher levels of testosterone. So. That's what bothers me about this. Not that there isn't some nuance and there isn't some studies maybe and something to, to look at, but it's this 
it's just a hysteria at the moment. You know, just an hysteria because I, I can't see anywhere you can't hit anybody where where this has been. You know that trans women have been somehow dominating sport, which is what the language you hear from from people who are against you know against well, against trans people. That's the sort of language you hear that it'll so, be the end of women's sport. Well, it won't be. If it starts to be a problem, then you know you're looking about introducing some rules to make that. If if it is, sorry, I mean you know I'm I'm slightly rambling, but I I hate the fact that it's there's a simplistic non there isn't a thought through approach. This idea of just banning. Well, actually, what what the what the what the International Olympic Committee came out with, I think it was November twenty one. They said that there should be no assumption that a transgender athlete automatically has an unfair advantage in female sporting events, but yeah, it invites sure. individual sports to find the right approach. And I think that, and I think that's the key. And the thing is, it's there should be some degree of consultation with the people within that. And, and the reason, and the reason I think that's important is that if you look at the level of homophobia in football, I mean, there's a reason why yeah. there are so few outwardly gay football, male footballers. No, uh, in Premiership. Uh, well, yes, not outwardly. And I think that's that points to a that points to a separate issue. It's interesting in Ted Lasso when the when the guy comes out as being gay. I love that, Ted which Lasso. Is lovely. That was lovely. Love Ted Lasso. And I thought you would. Um, but that <laughs> but that's interesting, isn't it? And I think almost the if, if we haven't solved the gay issue, it's actually going to be quite tricky to solve the trans issue in the in the short term, isn't it? And uh, the issue is, what do you do with people who are trans? Not as you say, not wait for someone to do something. But there doesn't seem to be any political will to actually consult to think about it. Because surely it's the people, it's the sporting body, but also the athletes themselves that need to be consulted, I would su suggest. But they included, I mean, this is where we're slightly, I guess we're slightly different. It's been, it's not the Olympic, it's been these sporting bodies that have in, 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 in just implemented blanket bans. And, you know, um, with, for me, no evidence that there has been any sort of disadvantage, you know, um, of any of any sort on the. So that's been the problem. So in, in sport after sport at the moment, in number of sports, trans women are now excluded. You cannot take part. It does. Um, it does make I you think, think that cycling just, and swimming. It, and... it does make you think that if men, uh, trans women were so advantageous and they're so good at football that we would be playing for the lionesses at the moment, because actually. That would be the ultimate. That's the obvious place, isn't it, to actually showcase where a trans woman, if they were so much better, if those retained advantages were so great, that's the obvious place for it to work. So it, it is odd that, given how many people play that's football, the well, that's the point. There is there isn't at the moment that any evidence that that there's an unfairness that people that um, there's an unfairness within that sport, and certainly in elite sport, there's no there's no evidence because we're not seeing that. Um, so you're you're absolutely right. Um, I think there is. I think there is um, a player in the World Cup who's trans. Um, is there? Yes, born. I think assigned female at birth. So I'm I'm not sure if they're non-binary or identify as transmasculine. Who's you know already playing and has come out as trans, which I think is a, is different. I mean, it's, it's um, um, that's my understanding because I, I think I read I read an article around that. So yes, you know. That nobody's having an issue with that, right? And there's no, obviously, no, there's no advantage. You know, we have, you know, we have enough disadvantages in life, you know, as trans people very often. Um, 
so you know there's a lot of this lots of these things balance up i think it's just this focus on this one aspect and and i and i and i get and i get it's not been it's been used to just demonize us i think and that's that's where i have have the problem i mean in my sporting life the one um the one aspect of sport i used to play um snooker and pool and post transition this is do you know this is the silly thing is the first time i properly understood changes in my body is mm. i couldn't get down on the snooker shot like i used to right. things got in the way you know i used to be able to get properly down and then yeah um because <laughs> because i got boots by then i couldn't uh i couldn't play snooker in the same way so it wrecked my um my sporting career no and you know but um joking aside i just um i just think what's happening now is this has all just been brought on by hysteria and uh, the current trans moral panic. Uh, you know, you see what's happened in America where they're trying to ban young trans people for any sport, even, you know, even people of trans, young people have transitioned. Uh, if you talk about genital inspections and all this sort of nonsense, it's all part of that hysteria. And I accept there are some nuances around sport that have to, you know, be considered. But um, where I guess we might slightly differ. And that's maybe where we have a common ground. But it's the fact that this has been used to to bolster the moral panic, I think. And once you start once you start treating a group of people like they don't belong anymore, whether that is sport or any other part of society and life, then you're othering them and differing in them and then and then that's a slippery slope in some respects, I think. Well, I tell you well, what. But that's my view. Yeah, that's good. And my what I'm and what I'm looking forward to seeing in the next Olympics is our Jen hurtling down the um, down the down the track. What would you do? Long? What would you do? Long jump? What would you? What would be oh, your sport choice if you I, could do I, one I, other I, than I, pool? <laughs> yeah, darts. I could do darts. I just. Um, I don't know. I did always think, you know, like in boxing, mm. they have different weight categories because yes. it would be unfair for a lightweight to take on a heavyweight. Correct. I think they should have a uh, hundred meters for people my size. Yeah, why not? Actually, I'm not sure I could run hundred meters. Make it make it twenty five. But um, you, can, you can have a bus halfway through. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I've, I think my sporting uh, career has missed me. I was always far too uncoordinated. But um, but I do like watching sports, as you can tell. I, if, if somebody commentates on it, I'll watch paint drying. If somebody commentates on it, so um, I'm a bit sad like that. I think. Well, now, you know. And on that, and on that image. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know think... if we've created controversy. It'd be good to know if anybody wants to comment on what we said because it is a complicated issue, and I, is. I accept it's not a in in this in this world of me trying to be more reflective and less strident that you're teaching me too, Jill. I think, oh. um, I think you are, and um, um, yeah, I can understand that our different views. Good. Well, actually, we did say a few weeks ago that we would want to discuss some of these issues and just present some of the different sides of the argument. And it's just yeah. maybe knowing that there are different places to look. I mean, I I found quite a thoughtful article on um, in, on the BBC.co.uk website around this sort of area. And there's been quite a few articles. I mean, not everybody um, agrees with everything, but there's some quite interesting articles in The Guardian. Gender GP yeah. of a couple of interesting guard uh, yes. interesting from this year, and I think I think it's about reading and becoming informed and recognizing it's worth reading both sides of the argument here because because it's worth being it's worth having developing your own view based on uh, an opinion that's not just formed 
listening to people on our own side of the argument. Sometimes it's nice to understand the other side as well. No, and I think that, I think that's definitely true, and I'm trying to, to learn to do that. But what? Yeah, but not as part of a moral panic. No, that's that's the issue for me with this. This is all part of that. But yeah, no, I think um, you know I need to learn more to um, to listen outside my bubble. I think. Actually, uh, you're right. Uh, I'm just I just having a quick look. Uh, Nuhalia Benzina became the first person to wear a hijab. Sorry, that's hijab. I'm just looking at a Canadian footballer, Quinn. That's right. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. So, I mean, you know, I'm surprised we haven't heard the moral panic starting in Canada. But, you know, luckily the Canadians are a little bit more balanced. But there you go. Um, next, The next Darts champ- Championship from the lakeside, we'll see our Jen at the hockey. <laughs> Uh, of course, we have a, a long history of darts in Stoke-on-Trent, so it's our... Yeah. What's, yeah, what's yeah. the history of darts in Stoke-on-Trent? Uh, Eric Bristow, Phil Taylor, used to hold the World Championship at the Jollies, for any Stoke who's listening, which is a nightclub in Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah, yeah, we're... Uh, it's one of our... It's one of our... At one point, that Stoke-on-Trent could have had... would be able to take on the rest of the world at darts and would beat it. We had at least three of the top five darts players in the world at one point. So, yeah, 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 it's one of our sporting heritages. Wow. It's good to to know there's a... (laughs) It's something. It's something. It is. is. Right. I was going to make some highly inappropriate puns about Stoke and Trent, but I've decided not to. So I shall see you next week. Yeah, please don't. Stoke and Trent is rhyming slang, apparently. It is indeed. Yeah, because I used to have a, I used to get us to London with a bus with Stoke and Trent that we hired on it, and and and, um, and it was so much amusement. Anyway, I think that's probably enough from us, isn't it? I think we've talked more about Stoke and Trent than we have about sport. But I'll see you next that's time. That's never a bad thing. You take care. See you all <laughs> soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at gillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections, which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important. So please, if you can give. Great. And if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections, it's beyond-reflections.org.uk. And, uh, but as I say, if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing, because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brickbats, feel free to send it all Absolutely. in to Gillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.